Hey there, welcome to Business Breakthroughs. I'm your host, Neil DiPentino. So glad you could be with us today. Um, you know, there's old sayings that are out there, been out there for quite a while, like, uh, you know, let's work outside the box. Or uh, how about like, uh, hey, you know, got to raise the bar just a little bit. Um, I got to tell you, our next guest is so passionate about raising the bar that she actually named her company that. Uh, our guest is a business consultant and coach, primarily has been in the fields of hospitality, uh, healthcare, and education. Uh, she offers a wide variety of services to her clients. Uh, she's been a specialist in, in, in mergers and acquisition, and she own, she's the owner and founder of Watts Consulting and Go Raise the Bar uh, from my old stomping grounds in Monument, Colorado. Please welcome to the show, Kim Watts. Kim, welcome. Thank you, Neil. I appreciate you having me on today. This is fantastic. Absolutely. We had quite the conversation before, um, you know, we started the podcast. And, uh, you know, most importantly, of all things, uh, we are both Denver Bronco fans. So um, yes, we are. We know this is going to be the best podcast ever because, you know, how, how could it not be? <laughs> right. <laughs> we bleed yes. orange, uh, you know. Uh, but, yeah, it's so great to meet you. And, we, and I really enjoyed the conversation we had before. We're, and we're going to have a little bit of conversation about uh, you. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that are going on in your life. We want to also talk about your business. And, and so we'll get into that in just a little bit. Before we get started with all that, though, Kim, won't you tell us about yourself? Uh, just give us a little idea of who Kim Watts is. Absolutely. Well, I started my journey um, in psychology. And when I realized I did not want to be sitting in an office all day listening to people who were challenged with their life, I went into the hospitality industry. And from there, um, I had the opportunity to join Disney or Brinker International, which is Chili's, or Rio Bravo, which is uh, was a mom and pop company out of Atlanta. And um, I made the decision that I wanted to start with the startup because I thought there would be more growth and more learning than something that was fairly well-designed, had processes and procedures in place. And then um, 22 Restaurants Later was absorbed by Applebee's, and uh, that was my journey into the restaurant business. I met my husband from there. We had a couple of kids, and as people know, having children changes your life. Uh, one of my sons required early intervention, and I thought, you know, just very <laughs> unwittingly that I could change everything if I just became a therapist myself. So I got into occupational therapy and special education and ended up becoming a board certified behavior analyst. And um, through that journey, trying to help my son was not part of the whole thing. I just realized that this is really cool and this is a wonderful way to help people to figure out what that is motivating to them and what is going to get them what they want in their lives. And so I pivoted, um, opened a marketing research company in Colorado Springs and owned and sold that for a pretty small profit, did some consulting, and uh, then was invited into education where I started a communication uh, communication and language program at a um, center-based 
program here in Colorado Springs. And that brought me into healthcare, where once again, the mom and pop uh, healthcare companies, I oversaw 400 clinicians, um, probably more than 800 clinicians over both the companies, taking them from a private owned startup to national companies. And now here I am doing uh, consulting and just really living my best life. Outstanding. I mean, what a journey you've been on. I mean, golly, uh, who'd have thunk it, right? All the way from restaurants to exactly. now healthcare and you know, this education. So you said, what was the word you used? Clin- clinicians? Clin- what, what is that? Uh, Oh, clinicians. So um, occupational, yes, sorry, occupational uh, speech and physical therapists, as well as behavioral technicians. There's registered behavioral technicians and uh, myself, uh, that's a board certified behavior analyst. And as we all know, everything is behavior. So it's not just bad behavior, there's good behavior too. And so I realized with this degree and just a penchant for really loving business that being able to see people's behavior and what motivates them is a great way to retain your employees and to understand what is needed in order to grow and scale and hold on to some of your best employees as well as lead other employees to adventures that they would be better suited for. So it's just the behavior analysis piece of it has really played into all of the areas that I have specialized in, which are, as you said, hospitality and healthcare and education. So is this what you, is this a primary service that you offer to clients today then? It is. So um, a lot of clients come to me because either A, they're looking to grow their company. They, they've taken it as far as they can. And so they look to me to get processes and procedures in place so that they can scale. Um, I usually take companies anywhere from, you know, a startup to five to 10 million. And then we, we grow that. And the companies that I've been with have grown up to a hundred million in revenue. So, um, so it's a lot of uh, going in and doing um, analysis on their processes and procedures. Their, hi- their hiring is a huge piece of it because, as we know, um, hiring people, especially today, is just more challenging than ever, especially in healthcare and education. And so um, I have them really – I have something called a performance diagnostic checklist. And it's really simple. Um, not sure if anybody's – familiar with the tool go one day, but he has the checklist manifesto and he, um, he just shows how checklists really, if you go back to that, you can see where certain things are missing within your company and that you always need to do an assessment of this, no matter what stage of growth that you're in a few times a year. And we go through uh, this PDC, the diagnostic checklist together and look at where some of the holes are and then work together on how we can fill those holes and then bring it to the next level. So when you say there are certain things missing in an organization, give me an example of what that might look like. That's a great question. There are so many things. The main thing that just sticks in my head today is something as simple as a job description. People put onto job descriptions, they might put something on Indeed, super generic to make sure that the the net is cast wide. And then the their 
new employee comes in and what they're asked to do is nothing like what was uh, displayed on Indeed or any of these other platforms that are vetting employees. So um, that's one of the things, uh, maybe uh, motivation surveys to see what makes you tick? What are you here for? Is it money? Is it flexibility? Especially with the new, um, the new workforce that we have these days, people are looking to work remotely. Is that going to be a possibility? Are there, um, are there professional development opportunities available? And we also look at, you know, what platforms are, are they using for, for billing or documentation? Um, there, there are so many, depending on the industry, there are just so many different facets to business as everybody who listens to your podcast knows. But, um, but when you are the one that has, you know, gave birth to this company, it's hard to look back and see some of these big holes that are missing either because you've been working your butt off because it's so it's, it's your, it becomes your life, right? Or it, um, or you have lost touch because you've hired so many great people or maybe not so great people into your company that you've kind of lost touch as to what's happening. And we expose some of these things and see what's realistic and truly what is your number one pain here. And I believe that a lot of people have in mind, a lot of leaders have in mind what that number one pain is. But it usually, after going through this diagnostic checklist, it usually turns out to be something completely different. And it's, it's very interesting to go through that journey together. I think that you mentioned that, you know, business owners are really super busy. Uh, a lot of them are passionate. They, their business becomes really a part of their life. But if it's a part of their life so much, then the health of their organization and their people should be a priority, right? Well, you would think so. And and I think in their heart and in their mind, and especially at this time of year where everybody's like making an effort to get together, you, you go through the motions of that. But when you find out, when you really titrate into what those granular things are that people are wanting in their lives, which change, they change on a year to year basis. You know, if you, if you're fresh out of college, you may have, um, you may want to travel and still have somewhat of a life. If you're a new parent, you may want flexibility on, you know, to be able to take care of your child up to retirement. Maybe, you know, you want to have a lot more uh, volunteer opportunities. So it's just keeping the pulse on your people and making sure that it's not just an anecdotal story about, you know, what you think that you know, but behavior analysis and specifically organizational behavior management, which is what I specialize in, takes data on a lot of these things so that it brings to the forefront what what are you doing? What are you looking at? Are you actually looking at these things? Or are you just telling me that you're looking at these things? The The biggest piece of um, my consulting role and, and those who are in applied behavior analysis and organizational behavior management is that we... I see a lot of places come in, they, they, a lot of consultants come in and they get super excited and they get the team together and everybody's a big rah-rah. And then a couple of weeks later, you know, that, that energy is still there and then it dissipates. And then a few months later, all they had was some really expensive people come in and um, they don't really have anything to show for it or they don't really remember what happened where we come in 
And we do this checklist and we start collecting data on some of these pain points. And this is how we also find out, is this really, is this truly your pain point or was it something else? We put interventions into place in order to help with, you know, turnover, retention, profitability, capacity, whatever it may be. And then, um, and then we stay with them until that goal is reached and we keep checking in. And the nice thing about it is we can check in remotely. So we don't have to be too, um, overtly involved in everything, which, you know, I, you know, one of my favorite movies is, um, sorry, my, uh, my PC is getting low here. And so this Uh is part of the gig. My bad. I just want to make sure that Excellent. Okay, so you, you've, you've given us some really great information. And it sounds to me, and I'm uh, from what I'm hearing, uh, within this organization, there's really not a like a cookie cutter approach to this. This is more individualized. Is it, I mean, are you dealing like with individual employees, individual leaders? I mean, how does that really work? That's a fantastic question. And uh, I think I got this out of education, but um, this universal design that, you know, there's uh, – that we need to do a one size fits all approach is not the way that we work at all. It is very individualized and we work either with individuals. I do um, mentoring of leaders, especially new leaders who may have come up through, you know, the pandemic and now they're actually having to interact with people. So I work directly with leaders. I work with whole teams. I work with whole companies. Um, I bring in other companies when it is out of my scope, um, such as, you know, the financial pieces of it. I can look at a P&L and dashboards all day long, but I want to get some good, I, I will refer out to somebody who can help with some of those other pieces. But we look at the health of the company in its entirety and then plug in the interventions as needed where they are. And I, I'd like to think of that coming also from my, you know, special education background where they had individual education plans and really making sure that it's something that fits and that you have the participation of the company, the person, the team involved with making those decisions. Because as we know from the past where everything was just like, you know, you just lectured to people how things were done and then, you know, they would get done out of fear or, you know, whatever it may be. These days, people really want to be bought into it. And the best way to get mm-hmm. buy-in is to have everybody be involved. Yeah. Individualizing it. I can imagine. I've obviously sat into a lot of those uh, kind of meetings in my years, with, especially in corporate America and everything. And, you know, you have a speaker come in and you're pretty excited about it. When you leave, you pretty much forget everything they said. And and then also it's like then you start the grumbling starts. It's like, well, we just wasted right. two hours of our lives. You know, why were we here? And then, you know, even the people who are excited about it now, they start grumbling and it's just like a downward spiral. So I really like right. the individualized approach. I think that really helps, you know, businesses. And I think it helps business owners as well. Now you talked about like finding holes in, in, in their plans and their business and everything, the missing ingredients. So now that you've identified some of the missing ingredients, what's the next step? What do you do? How do you proceed? Do you, do you actually do the work or do you just provide them with the information they need so they do it on their own and keep them accountable for it? Well, there's a little bit of both, and it it depends on the level of intervention that the company is seeking. So if they just want 
that we work together on a high level plan and then we take data and the data collection all comes back through me. So I, I give them the data collection tools and then I'm able to see the health of the company, uh, the health of the particular intervention that we're looking at. And then we have weekly meetings uh, to, you know, maybe monthly meetings, depending on if I'm starting to back out of the plan and they're seeing progress. But then I have meetings with the stakeholders and we, um, we see where we are and see if we need to pivot the intervention or if we need to just uh, keep going with status quo or are we are we ready to start phasing out because we we're starting to meet our goals, which is of course the 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 plan for everybody. Right, right. Can you give us maybe an example of a business that you've worked with where you've gone in and used your procedures and everything to help that business solve a problem, what that problem was, and maybe what the outcome might have been? Sure. So um, right now I am currently working on the um, the efficacy of screen time learning for children with special needs. And I believe that this has come from uh, a school district where I um, where special education is being looked at with a very fine tooth comb and. Uh, just making sure that the interventions that have been put into place have been effective for growth, uh, go towards students' goals, and also what the what are the outcomes that have happened or the the loss of skills that may have happened over COVID with um, students being at students you know being at home and and basically being taught by a screen all that time, and so. Through that process, uh, begin to collect data on just different platforms that teachers are using in order to deliver the service delivery of um, the education. And um, then looking at IEPs, seeing how children are, are they, are they moving up? Are they doing better on standardized tests? Are they doing better with behaviors? Have their behaviors um, become unruly? So it, it's, there are so many data points that we can look at, especially in the very beginning, it, there's so much to really put together and you don't realize um, how just one, something that you think is so small can blossom into this multifaceted, multivariable um, problem that we're going to take data on and then really titrate in on, to, on that one um that one intervention that's going to to be make the child successful. So that's uh, that's what I've been doing now within healthcare companies. I um, been asked to mentor, uh, you know, young not young but new leaders who um, who may have never been in a leadership position before, and simple things like just doing touch points with their their team every week individually. And with the team as a whole, so there, ever, there's transparency. There's a, a feeling of connectedness, and that everybody's not working in a silo. Um, identifying that you know that you know five different departments are working on the exact same thing, and neither one of them knows that the other one is doing the same thing, and really um, getting that interdisciplinary approach to um, to problem solving and not duplicating work and making sure you're the most efficient that you can be. That's awesome. I you know the whole idea of new leaders. I mean, it, when you go into a new leadership role, and I've been there. 
um, you know, you kind of go in thinking, you know, who you are and what you know, right? Until you find out what you don't know. And, uh, and, and so it is a struggle. And, and, and it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you, you want to be the leader, you want your people to follow you, but at the same token, you don't want to let your superiors know that, well, maybe I don't know quite as much as I think I know. So do you run across right. those type of things with people a lot? And how do you like overcome that? Oh, I love that you said that. Well, the the best clients are the ones that realize that that's that is happening. And so they what what I've seen with the growth of the coaching field is that they are paying instead of um for, you know, professional development, it, it includes hiring an outside coach so that you that new leader doesn't have to expose where some of their weaknesses are, even though hopefully their their leadership does recognize it, which is why they got them a coach. But um, but being able to have those uh, vulnerable conversations outside of the workforce, so the the workspace, so that it there can be candor there and there can be no judgment, and it happens on you know a, a personal level, but with that. Um, you know, with that fiduciary responsibility to um, to making sure that we, we are going to grow this leader and they're going to be able to grow those who uh, work for them, especially in healthcare and education, a lot of the growth comes from within, which I think is fantastic and the way you should always do it. But it is hard when you're coming from the front line, you know, where you guys were all equals and next thing you know, you know, you're, you're overseeing some of your best friends. Yeah, so yeah. how, how do you overcome that? And, and, uh, and I work, you know, I work with a lot of people. I think the, the biggest thing is when you do, you knew that employee, when they were the ones having a glass of wine with you and complaining about how everything is terrible with the company. And now that is your employee. So right. how do you pivot that conversation with them and say, Hey, you know, I've, I've really found that when I have those feelings that, or those thoughts, I, I go to this person and, and try to problem solve it or bring a solution to the table and, and, and really Still be that friend, but also um, be more of a coach and to show that that really does garner more, uh, it garners more respect from your team when that happens. And and sometimes you may just have that person in there that that is, you know, poisonous. And and if if they don't belong there, you know, how how do you how do you coach them to the next level? Um, yeah. uh, I ha I've had a couple people that, you know, uh, have left companies, especially um, in the mergers and acquisition stages where, you know, the, uh, there's a lot of focus on the dollars because they have to get their money back for this company that they just purchased. And, and so there's a lot of upheaval and turnover that happens during uh, mergers and acquisitions. And I am pleased to say, you know, I was able to have an average of 86% retention in the education and healthcare fields when we went through mer mergers and acquisitions because of these tough conversations that we've had that, yeah, maybe, maybe this next corporate level um, company that we're merging into isn't your jam, so to speak. You know, maybe it is a small mom and pop and, and that's where you're going to be the happiest and that's okay. We don't all belong at, 
in every every single scenario that's out there and you didn't choose to merge you know the the owners chose to merge and and so it's just having some of those deep conversations but also bringing to top leadership you know the c-suite leadership that these are some of the conversations that we'd have and we'd rather have you know attrition in the beginning um and hold on to our really strong people who are going to be a champion for change um, and, and and just start off as strong as you can. And that way you'll grow stronger instead of growing it on this scaffolding that has, you know, it's like Swiss cheese. It has so many holes in it and so many challenges, which is one of the reasons why mergers and acquisitions um, a lot of times can fail. And a leader who moves into that type of position really has to speak two languages in a sense. You know, absolutely with their superiors with their their downline. So, so we're running out of time here. I hate this because we're really getting into some really good stuff, but it always seems to happen when we get on a roll and and then you know we come <laughs> to the end of time. But I, you know, I can't let you go without asking you this one question. And um, it's not we hadn't talked about this before, but you named your company Go Raise the Bar. So explain that. Well, thank you for asking. So obviously, we've all heard about raising the bar. And I went through just having it named raise the bar. And I wanted to be I wanted it to be actionable that you have responsibility to go and do this for yourself. Then the name bar actually is for behaviorally applied resources. So when you come to go raise the bar, I'm going to show you for your particular goals and aspirations what that can look like. And then we're going to apply resources such as checklists, data tracking, um, whatever whatever it may be to get you to that next level. So there's no excuses for you to say, you know, I, I paid Kim all this money to, to do this for me and, and it just – it just didn't work. We, all we did was talk. Well, I, I don't just talk. I don't just give, you know, handouts or do one speech. I, I'm there for you. And our team is there to hold your hand through the entire process until you feel like you've reached where you want to be. And that, once again, that goes for individuals. Uh, I work with a lot of new college new grads. Uh, they, they come to me um, for a mentorship for six months just to be able to have those candid conversations outside. Um, and then mentoring within the businesses, um, individuals, teams, uh, whole companies. So, um, so that's where Go Raise the Bar came from. And uh, we, we really dive deep and we stick with you until the very end. I love it. Hey, we're at the end of our time here. Uh, any final thoughts you'd like to leave our audience with? No, I just, I, I have a passion for business and I have a passion for helping people, um, anybody who wants to improve themselves and on a bigger scale that hospitality, education and healthcare fields are the ones that I've grown into multi-million dollar companies. I've, I've stood alongside many leaders with that and um, I'm happy to do that for anybody. So please reach out. And how do we do that, Kim? Well, uh, GoRaiseTheBar.com is my website. And from there, um, I'm also on LinkedIn. So you can set up a free, um, just a discovery call with me, talk for 30 minutes. Just want to pick my brain. I, I'm happy to do that. I love to speak with people in all different industries, just as you do, Neil, and uh, just see what's making them tick. It keeps me involved with, with 
what's happening and uh, and I'm really here to serve others. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Kim. Kim, you are a wonderful guest. I really appreciate you being on the show. And folks, that is all we have for today. That is our show for today. So glad you could be with us. Business Breakthrough is sponsored by Titan Media Works. Check us out at titanmediaworks.com. That's work spelled W-O-R-X. And check out all of our great hosts, our other great hosts, on the Small Business Delivered Network at smallbusinessdelivered.com. Until next time, have a great day. Talk to you soon.